0: What is up everybody? It's Armand here back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Steven Pemberton, the CEO and founder of HoloCo. HoloCo is an e-commerce business that takes brick and mortar stores and moves them online. This one was really awesome to film. I really like talking to Steven. He's a very charismatic dude. And I learned a lot about his life story, resilience, and that Eureka moment that changes the entire nature of your business. Uh, Stephen gives a little bit on how you can find that in yours. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy the play hard podcast. Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Yeah, I also have a very special place in my heart for Texas. It's I love how much Texas loves Texas. Like that's, to me, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that state is they want so badly to be their own thing yep All that's right. really cool san diego yeah, yeah. i've heard about i've heard about how beautiful
1: it is and i've always wanted to go my father-in-law actually said that they have the best zoo
0: so i would love to go visit it. they do oh you're getting me excited it's like the number one zoo in the world apparently they they just do a really good job of like treating the animals well and they also like take care of them they have we have some sweet pandas like some animals you don't normally see at zoos so that's cool that's uh, awesome yeah. All right. So welcome, Steven. Thanks for coming. Um, how, how's everything going? You're the CEO and founder of Holo Company. Is that the name? HoloCo. HoloCo. Holo All Company right. was already taken. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. So HoloCo. Uh, that, honestly, that rings better. That sounds nice. HoloCo. Um, and you guys are an e-commerce company that you take brick and mortar stores, from my understanding, and you put them online, but for the purpose of driving traffic to the actual physical store. Yep. Okay. And how do you do that?
1: So we actually do that through a couple of different channels. For me, some of my background is in the supply chain. So for five and a half years, I worked at a Fortune 100 company and I was a supply chain operations manager. So I was in charge of all the stuff coming in, stuff coming out. I was basically the warehouse guy. But with these brick and mortar stores, what what we tend to see is that If they're doing well generating sales with their physical location, adding that extra component of online sales tends to kind of trip them up. So what we do is Mm -hmm. we part of our package, part of what we do is we fly out and meet with them and see their situation because we want to be able to get hands on. And for me, being in the supply chain is I can tighten things up from a physical perspective because I've done it. And I've been able to see, hey, this is how you're going to ship this. This is how you're going to fulfill. This is not going to take as much time as you think. We're going to set you up a little corner for you to be able to do this stuff. So it starts there. And then what we do is we game plan with them basically to come up with a avenue or an understanding of where they want to go. Some people want to become a brand like, oh, I want to be exactly like this brand. And so we have to see how we can fit into that. How do we do that? Because some people want to go from brick and mortar to being this strictly online brand. So the people who are strictly online brand and a good example is we were talking with a jeweler and he wanted to be shop gold and shop Mm -hmm. gold does 10 million online every year and they don't have a physical location. So how do you do that? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a thing where for so for us is we look at utilizing some of the biggest channels first facebook amazon stuff of that nature to be able to drive themselves because it's great to sit there and do fancy graphics and make a website but if you have no traffic it doesn't matter how nice your stuff is very true so for us is we mainly focus on
0: driving themselves okay so you start a lot with for driving sales like getting people actually to go on the site and then and then you focus on like actually making the site pretty afterwards or not mimicking but like modeling after. Another company, basically, to a certain degree. Again, we
1: typically like to utilize platforms that already exist instead of yeah. having a website. Now, for us, we uh, most of these clients that we work with or that we speak with, they have a website, so okay. they are nervous or afraid that we're going to take away from what they've already spent all this money on building by building them something on Facebook or building them an Amazon store. But we tell them, hey, we're going to make it symbiotic. So they're going to work together. So we make it a way where they all play nice so that these people can start generating sales off of either through their website or off of it. And the one that plays the nicest right now that we've been utilizing the most has been Facebook. Hmm. Facebook plays really well with pushing traffic off of their site. Amazon doesn't. Anyone that's listening, Amazon is very much closed circuit. They want to keep everything in the house. So there's not a way to drive customers off of it. You can, but it's much more like through the cover of darkness to be able to get them out instead of being this open sales channel the way Facebook is.
0: Yeah, interesting. And that's kind of like the one similarity I see is how LinkedIn kind of keeps people on their platform. Like if you're posting consistently on LinkedIn, but you have... Links outside on the actual post itself, it'll kind of like suppress it. Versus if you add that link in the comment, Uh, so it's kind of like if you ever want people to like check out a website or something, you're supposed to put it in the comments instead of the actual post itself because it'll it it doesn't want people to go outside of its platform. And is that that's interesting? That's that's very interesting. But
1: from from a consumer standpoint, is that sucks, right? Well, you know, I have this all set up. It's nice. I've primed my profile. But from a business standpoint for LinkedIn or Facebook or Amazon, it makes sense, right? Total sense. I yeah. mean, why would I want people to push people away from where I am? And that's even a key for Facebook ads because we do that for these brands as well. Facebook ads, if you, and that's why we like to utilize Facebook and build them a shop or build them a marketplace. Because if we run ads to Facebook, it keeps them on the platform. So the fa- So the platform goes, oh, this is great. I'm going to go sit here and just continue to put this in front of people. So your cost per click is going to be a lot less. You're going to have more click through rate, all of that because it's staying on the platform instead of pushing them to a website. That's at least what I've noticed when I've tried to push to my own website, my ads cost much more. There's a lot less engagement, much more yeah. impressions, yeah. everything costs more. But when I keep it in house on Facebook, my sales are up, my ads are Ag costs are way down. So it's just about playing nice with these platforms.
0: And now quick side note, we can we can take the company name out if uh, if you don't want to share, but which Fortune 100 company did you do supply chain for? Because I was also... Oh, PepsiCo. Oh, PepsiCo. I'm fine with talking about nice. that. Nice. Yeah, Okay, okay. I did. I was an analyst for TJX. So I did a lot of like, I remember when I was there, I was specifically in home goods and I didn't, like we were just starting to move online. I might have to take this part out. I don't know if the, the website's out yet, but... <laughs> they were doing like a, home- <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't want to. So turns out Home Goods online is live, and I'm probably not getting sued. That's pretty good. All right, back to the show. In that, but uh, I think by now it's been years. But like Home Goods online, they were. I remember like they were modeling it after. You know, they did TJ Maxx online, but it was like the the p- entire store was brick and mortar, and yep. like they. The whole online, they were like, you're, you're losing if you're not going online, but how do we turn our brick and mortar store? Like it's not, it's a big ship to move. It's a big company. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to watch and see that happen. Um, how'd you get the idea for Holoco and, you know, the, the problem exactly that you're solving? How did that come up? So the way that that came up,
1: interesting enough was with Holoco, this was a company that we created years ago. And it was to help brands scale. And basically, it just sat there on the shelf because we had to go figure this thing out for ourselves. The one thing that we've had the pleasure of doing is we've done over $2 million of online sales.
0: Nice. So that's through
1: Amazon. That's on Facebook. Thank you. And so we did all that first. So when we come to these clients now, it's not, hey, we have some good information that we think will work for you. It's like, no, this is what worked for us. This is what's working now because we have a seven-figure business. We have to make sure that we're staying ahead of the game for our own company. So we're not going to give people bad advice due to the fact that we're already doing it. So HoloCo, I basically just dusted it off and brought it back. And then we repurposed it for the same purpose that it was originally built for. Hmm. But instead of just Amazon, we, we have friends who they're in the brick and mortar space in 2020. And everyone knows how 2020 went. It the complete shutdown for a very long time. And some of these friends that we have are in the mall and that took even longer to get back up and running. So and even to a certain degree, they're not seeing the same traffic. So with that being said, it became a thing where we see the possibility of helping these people because most of them are older. That's not a realistically, it's not a growing market. Because most of these people are, from, are older than I am, older than you are, and they're saying, this is the only way we know how to do it. Yeah, how do we yeah. make this transition? And the great thing for us is since we know how to do it, and I've actually been able to bring on someone who is older than I am who could speak to that generation, is they're able to connect with them in a way where we can help them. Because a lot of these people are, very not, are not very tech savvy like, at all. Some of these people don't even know how to work email. <laughs> so that's where that whole thing came about because we know that there's people that were hurt from that who are still recovering two years later.
0: Uh, the cybersecurity side of me is hurting right now. Those are the people that get targeted for phishing and then just have their business taken from them. Uh, yep. It's tough, tough to see, but hey, just make sure they don't click on links and emails. They're good. <laughs> How old are you, by the way? I'm 28. 28? All right. I'm, yep. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm almost 20, I'll be 25 in a month. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So the, the promise of this show is that we give reader or listeners, readers, we give listeners one, uh, one actionable way to deal with stress told by an entrepreneur, someone who's, you know, as you may know, a very stressful job. Yep. Uh, so how how do you handle when a lot of the pressures of work just start getting to you and like it, it becomes really stressful? And how do you know that that's happening? So the biggest thing that I've seen because I love to share some of my
1: backstory because people will hear, you know, $2 million in revenue on online sites and think, oh, wow, you know, you got to figure it out. You don't go through stress. But I remember not that long ago, it was only eight years ago where my wife and I were in an MLM. For some reason, I decided I was going to quit my job. We just had a brand new kid we or some was literally brand new at this time. I quit, come home. We had 500 bucks to our name. Rent was 750. So we're out Damn. of the house immediately and we lose everything and we're living in a basement. So that was super stressful. And I, I love telling the story because I remember that there's I'm in Tennessee at this time. So there's spiders literally the size of head crawlers off of aliens. I, maybe it's just my arachnophobia talking, but those things are. Huge. <laughs> but I just remember being so depressed, feeling like a failure, feeling we couldn't even feed our son. We didn't have any money. So we're having to go to Kroger and get the like dollar clearance carrots and ground them up for them. And then I found the corporate job. And then I quit in 2020 when everyone's looking for something. I quit. And I come home to, get, to do Amazon because we had made seven figures a year before. So we go, oh, it's going to be great. But then within two months, we get shut down for something that wasn't even our fault. We're $58,000 in debt with three months left of my 401k. And we were able to pivot in that three months to be able to find Facebook, be able to utilize that platform to be where we are now, being able to make seven figures and to bless others. So the biggest thing that we try to keep our eyes off of is not just the reality. It's very easy to get stuck in the reality and to get overwhelmed. Overwhelmed just means you don't see a way out. It's not overwhelming when you got got 100 tasks and you say, oh, I can definitely have this done by two days from now. But if you don't see a way out, you just get overwhelmed. So to answer your question is when I start feeling that, and it usually comes because, at least for me, my brain can only work at about three tasks an hour. So if I have three big tasks, I want to do mine, man. <laughs> <laughs> but if I get one more than that, I just start feeling the, the ship sink. Yeah. And then I know that I've got to, what I do is I basically step away. I'll go outside and I'll say, which one of these is most important? And then I'll just do that one. Because even though I'm not getting everything done I wanted to get done, I'm getting something done instead of just breaking and just sitting there crying in the corner, which I've done before. <laughs> With all the
0: spiders. <laughs> With all the spiders. That's right. First of all, wow, that is an awesome story. Do you ever just take a second to look back and be like, damn, this is where I've came in the past like eight years. That's that's awesome. That's incredible.
1: That's Thank so you. Cool. Yes. I know right now as we're talking, so for, for my wife and I, we're big proponents of renting. Uh, I was talking to you before, but, you know, lived in Tennessee, moved to Texas, back in Tennessee, possibly moving again. And we got a call two days ago that, hey, you got to be out by the end of June. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing where we weren't expecting it. We were planning on staying, but the owner's selling the house. So in this time, we're trying to build this other business to help other brands and do all these things. We have investment properties here, all this stuff. We've built a life. And so the as you grow and as you scale, I, I heard this term, which is new levels, new devils. So just because I have more things going doesn't mean that it's any less stressful. Now we're trying to figure out where do we go because the housing market has exploded. I mean, the cost to rent some of what we're renting now is almost a thousand dollars more a month. And it just we're we're in this stress stage. So same advice is like just step back, find one thing that you can do today to be able to move it forward. Because even if you got a hundred thousand things to do, you're not going to get a hundred thousand things done. Instead of getting stressed out about it, just do one thing and just move yeah. yourself forward. Because if you get stuck, then you're
0: basically just dead in the water. New levels, new devils. That's a really cool, interesting quote. It kind of makes me think of this thing that I I remember learning in a philosophy class that like whenever we learn something new, we gain an answer and then more questions. And I never really understood mm. that until I was like really looking for the answer to a question. The answer got solved, but then I was like, "Wait a second. I got one more." <laughs> and <then> it, was, <laughs> it was like, "All right, new levels, new devils. That makes sense. I get it." Um, okay, so when you when you had 3 months left 401k, you're really pushing. You're just about to find the Facebook ads, but you're not exactly there yet. Did you have a Eureka moment that led to finding it or, and like, how how did that kind of like, how did that come to be? So great question. Yes, there was definitely a a Eureka
1: moment because when we're 58,000 in debt, for anyone listening, Amazon, what they do, if you get shut down, even if it's not your fault and you can prove it until they say that you're good, they hold your money. So Mm, we're sitting there, they're holding all of this money. We have fifty-eight thousand in debt inventory-wise. They're holding that amount of money, about fifty-six thousand. And so, what we have all this inventory (laughs) in our garage. And so, the first thing we think of is, what are we going to do? We do. I just quit a job. Do I try to go find a job? Do I ask for my job back? But what we did was we looked at wholesaling the stuff, selling it for super cheap. And anyone who is in a position like we were, and you bought this stuff for five dollars a unit so five dollars a piece you're selling them for 20 25 30 if you take it to somebody and say hey how much will you give me for this if they know you're in a tight spot because it's good selling product they're going to give you 10 cents a piece they're willing to give us 10 cents a unit so we still would have been boned yeah if we could have <laughs> taken that deal so what we found was classic amazon exactly <laughs> so with we- that's why we don't really do amazon as much but in those first couple months afterwards. So August is when we get shut down. And so September, we're looking every day in between the crying, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. So we're looking at all these different options. Every single day, a different option until, because I mean, anyone who knows anything about business, it takes a little bit of time to get it off the ground. It's not just overnight. But my wife actually was on Facebook and saw a video pop up from someone that she is a friend with and it, and, she, and it was talking about facebook and she goes hey this is a business model we can do so she shows it to me and i say okay I, we can try it and we did we we're and the thing that was cool is and it's something that i feel a lot of people miss is they are looking for that eureka moment where it's like okay this is it just the holy grail the silver bullet but for us the reason why it was a silver bullet was because we had all the skill sets so the, and we had all the skills So when we found that Eureka golden moment, we could just go and we were able to innovate and we were able to be first and we were able to blow up and make seven figures. We were able to make 1.2 million in a little less than a year and a half because we had the skills. So I I know that there's a lot of people, there's people in my life who are always looking for the that shiny object. But if you're not growing your skill sets, that shiny object will always be a shiny object. It will never be that golden opportunity. You have to work on you. You have to spend the money, invest the money to get good at skills that can make you money. So when you find that opportunity, you can just go.
0: Uh, Dude, that's a philosophy I really like to live. But I think we'd have a great time having a beer because I agree with that 100%. I've always been big on like, yeah, especially at this point in my life, being young enough to like collect a bunch of like learn a bunch of skills and like this, this hollow co would it have worked? Had it? Had it, Had you tried taking it off a few years ago when you first started versus like no. now that you have those skills, you went through that entire company, you learned not just supply chain, but probably a whole bunch of other skills so that when you did find the tool that matched it, you were able to like everything just kind of pieced together. It was like the missing piece. Facebook ads yep. seemed like the missing, the missing link.
1: And I heard this from Alex Formosi. I don't like to take credit when I hear something because m- there's a lot of people smarter than me. And something he said is he said, somebody will find an opportunity the way we found Facebook, and they'll just pitch that thing. Hey, this is it. This is it. This is it. When really, it it was it, was it for them because it was the last piece. So that's what I'm saying to everyone listening is don't get so caught up in finding the right opportunity. The right opportunity, you'll be able to see it when you have the skills. Hmm. I mean, if you look at a Grant Cardone, Grant is out here looking at real estate and he knows it's a good opportunity because he has been doing it, building the skill sets for decades. Most of the people you see being an overnight success are an overnight success because in the dark, they were building skills forever. And so that's, a, that's my philosophy is you're, is if you don't have any skills, the, the right opportunity could slap you in the face and you'd still miss it because you don't have the skills to see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that now, have you had any um do you have any daily routines or any like you know habits that you've built over time? Yes, one of my biggest
1: ones is for me actually I'm working on it now, especially, but for a long time, I was getting up at six, so I wanted to be up before everyone. I wanted to be able to just spend time alone and just get ready for the day and then I'd work out and stuff like that, but now I'll get up at five so and I'm trying to work up to four because I feel what's interesting about life is if you start life typically at six, then that means for me, if I get up at four, then and I tell myself, hey, we're not doing any of our normal stuff until six. So now I've got two extra hours to just work on me, to just work on skill sets, to just work on spiritual walk, to just work on any of these things that I choose because I've got two extra hours. But if I'm waking up at six, then I have to just go straight into life. Got to cook breakfast. Got to get my kids. ready. Got to get my son ready. Got to get my wife up got to work out, got to do all these things. Yeah. So I, I think it's vitally important to give yourself time. Don't just wake up and say, I'm jumping straight into my day because you're going to get overwhelmed faster because you haven't prepped yourself for it. So that's my big thing is I like to get up real early
0: just to prep myself for the rest of the projects I have during the day. Yeah. So part of your routine is giving yourself time to not have a routine and just work yes. on you. Nice. That's cool. That's the first I've heard of that, but I really like that. Um, Do you have any habits that you've had to take away that have led to your success? Anything that you've removed from your life? Absolutely.
1: So for me, I have been been an avid video game player since I was like four. And I mean, I played all the time, played with my dad, played forever until 2021. Right. No, it was 2020. It was in December of 2020. So after we had found Facebook, we were getting blessed, all this stuff. I remember, I think it was like college, one of the Call of Duties that just came out and I was wanting to be like, I had this team, we we're playing tournaments, doing all the stuff, but it was also taking up like 10 hours of my day. Yeah. And so I instead of going to bed at a good time, because I wanted to wake up at six, right? I was going to bed at two, three in the morning, still trying to wake up at six. So it was ruining the next day. And on top of that is I had to look at my priorities. I have a wife and a son and a business getting off the ground. Why do I need to play games? It was going nowhere, and so I had to remove that habit, just straight up cold turkey quit it. And then about a month ago, my wife gets the Xbox out. She wants me to play with my son, so we start playing. Then all of a sudden, it just like consumes me again, and I'm back playing huh. hours of it. So I realized I said this is not healthy for me. So that even though I love it, I love playing games. Yeah. I I enjoy it. It's a great hobby. But I don't have this the willpower to say this is just a hobby, so I just stick it back in the in the closet, so I don't even have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, it's good you know yourself that you can do that. I definitely was growing up a big gamer. I played a lot of COD actually. Like I like when I first when my first when my friends first introduced me to Modern Warfare two, a lot changed. I spent way too much. You know, it was it was yep. bad that they let you see how much time you spent on that platform. like oh, yeah, it was, I would look at that and I'd be like. Uh, really, <laughs> like, <what was> that? <laughs> but Hey, it was a good time. It's fun while it lasted. Um, but yeah, no, I actually, I was on the same boat, played a lot of COD and then I switched to FIFA, played a lot of FIFA. It was like, it was very much consuming me taking up a lot of my free time where I could have been again, growing myself, like doing other fun things, you know, starting a podcast, doing a lot of other things that I could be doing. Um, but then I just kind of like, when I moved back home, I just gave my my PlayStation to my roommate. I was like, "Hey man, you you enjoy this more than I do, and like I don't want to keep playing, so you can have it." And it was cold turkey, man. One of the best things. Like it's so it's so much easier when it's not around. Like now I don't yep. really feel like playing. Uh, but Which speaking awesome, of, yeah. Speaking of hobbies, though, what um what hobbies do you have besides gaming? So for me, the biggest thing that I have transitioned to
1: is reading. Uh, for me, I love to read because I think that there, I mean, people, you got to think about it. People will take their entire life story, these millionaires, billionaires, whoever they are, they'll put it into a book and then they'll die, but their book is still around. And this may be before that there was YouTube and all this stuff. So I love reading those books because I'm getting to, to download information from people who have done it. And that's, that's the big thing is just knowing that there's, People out there that are always bigger, better, stronger, faster, all these things, but they're also putting information out there so you can learn. And so I have found it very freeing to be able to read this stuff because there's some great books that are out there to be able to help you along on the journey. Real quick, something that you were talking about with the video games, what I noticed from me playing it was I, at first it's like, oh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. But what I realized is my brain would say when I would get stressed going back to your earlier question in the show, when I would get stressed, my brain would say, okay, it's time to play games because that was my escape. So for me, if once I took the escape away, my brain has to think of how do you figure out this problem instead of just running from it. And I've been able to find more answers reading. So reading is a big thing for me.
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. And, and I mean, you like reading, not so much reading is a very healthy outlet but I remember I read one quote I can't remember what the person it was like a a large chunk of reading is just healthy procrastination and then I was thinking about that I was like oh sometimes I know I have to do something but then I'm like you know what let me read my book I'll feel like I'm doing something I will feel like I'm learning but I'm really just avoiding this one thing so it is like a balance also you definitely have to like like one thing I've noticed that works for me is just setting a specific time. This time of my day, I read, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, like this is it. And so that yeah. way it's it's not really a distraction. Like this is time set aside for reading. So yeah, that's the same I, with me yeah, typically. Yeah. And I, I love that because typically the same with me
1: at the end of my night. So I'm usually up five till about nine. So at 8:30, eight thirty, 8.30 is I'll turn off everything and then I'll read. But I tell my brain, we aren't reading in the middle of the day. This is the time I've set. Because I believe, because it happens to me, is when we're doing these money making activities, which can be stressful, either you're learning marketing or you're learning sales or you're sitting there and you're cold calling or you're sitting there doing Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is to get your content out, build your personal brand. That can be stressful because it's not instant gratification. Sometimes it takes time for you to build up these things. And in our generation instant gratification is a big thing that's why my brain would tell me go play games because i'd immediately feel gratified if i got a 20 kill game in in Warzone. And i'd be like yeah i'm the best and it's like yeah. well, my business sucks but so it's but the at least same. i
0: achieved something today yeah at yeah. least
1: i achieved something at least my brain believes you did something and yeah, it's really crazy did how nothing. they do that so yeah i know it's amazing if i could figure that out in a business you'd be mega rich just like they are so it's that's what, I have, that's what I have to tell myself is, hey, you've got this part of the day to do the reading. And that's why I give myself the beginning part of my day before life starts to just read, to be able to listen to music, whatever it is, just to get myself ready. I basically have two points, the beginning
0: and the end, that I give myself more freedom. A lot of that, I think, from the marketing perspective is the, I mean, from video games, it's really just the dopamine of feeling like you're achieving something. And I yep. think like from a marketing perspective, people are if you can manage to to you know hit that, you're you're really getting people to click. One of the ones like video game ads for on the phone, those do you ever see those mobile game ads where yes. it's like they're they're doing some sort of task and they're doing it like it's such a simple task but it's so wrong that it's just you're sitting there you can't click out of the ad and it's just like for me it's bothering me i'm like oh my god just go left just go left why are you going right go left (laughs) and then it makes me want to get the game and be like look this is so easy like why are you not and but um i was sitting there thinking like wow those are some genius ads that they can just purposefully get something simple wrong so people want to be like no let me do this this is not how you're supposed to do it but yeah I don't know I've always thought for marketing like you know hit the dopamine you're chilling yeah absolutely
1: that's why some of the best ads I was actually joking with my wife about this was I've seen I saw it twice yesterday where two different ladies they just put a picture up of themselves and the ad had nothing to do with it. It was for a business and I'm like why is that picture supposed to be the scroll stopper but then i realized that's exactly what it is they're who are generally men so they know that the guys that see it are going to get a dopamine hit and they're going to be, like, what is she selling i'll buy it and that's actually a really smart business tactic
0: at the very because least, they're getting a dopamine hit yeah stop the scroll stop the scroll it always works um yeah what uh okay so reading we got reading yep any other hobbies reading is a big one the other one is just spending time with
1: my family we'll go outside we'll play basketball basketball is a big thing for me growing up and just spending out being outside in nature i think that because especially in this digital world especially for me being in e-commerce all the time i'm in front of a screen all day yeah. so i like
0: just going outside and seeing the sun for once you know i agree oh basketball must be a great way also it's pretty pretty solid weather in tennessee i'm guessing right yeah Yeah, so you can have like pretty annual basketball. Is your son playing in a league? Is he getting there? He was. He so that league finished beginning of this year,
1: and basically we've just been letting him play, just have fun. We actually were the coach for his league this year. And then when we were in Texas, we were the coach there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We've been able to we've only lost two games in two years. So that's awesome. Not by any credit of us, kinda, I guess, but we had this one player. I swear he was little LeBron. I mean, he was amazing. He had high school level s- skill sets at eight. I mean, he could go behind the back, between the legs. He was shooting threes. I mean, he no look pass, everything. And that's was, nuts. It <laughs> was incredible. And so we just like give this guy the ball, let him go. And so that's what we did.
0: That's pretty sweet. Yeah, basketball is a fun sport. That's on, like coaching. Also, how has coaching been? How I'm sure that's like a, a journey on its own. How does coaching relate to being a CEO, actually? So it's very similar and
1: it's funny. It's going to sound wrong, but it's funny because I've been a manager of an entire warehouse, about 20 to 30 guys. I've been the CEO. Now we've got four employees and I've been the coach of eight year old boys and or eight year old kids. We actually have one girl and it's almost the same because you're trying to get them to do a simple task. You want everyone together to achieve a goal. For your basketball team, you want them to come together as a team to win a game. In a business, or when I was in the warehouse, you want your team to come together to get the stuff out of the warehouse so you can go home. You want, for us, we want to come together as a team to help these clients get more sales. So it's building the confidence in each one of these members of our team to be able to go out and achieve that common goal. That's really what being a CEO, manager, or a coach is the same is it doesn't matter if it's these little kids or people that are older than I am. It's having them, A, buy-in to the vision. Mm. If there's no vision, you have no idea where you're going. Once they buy into the vision, it's building their confidence that they can be an integral part to accomplish it. Because if they feel integral to the success of the company or to the success of the team, then they'll give it everything they got to get to that goal. And if you can get your whole team to do that, then you will achieve that simple goal.
0: Wow. I like that. Yeah. It's funny how you you compared eight year olds to 20 warehouse workers in your company. And hey, it, it shows up. It shows up. The,
1: the the 20 warehouse guys that I had legitimately are harder to deal with than <laughs> the kids. As far as their attitude, their emotions, everything. It, it was wild. The kids listened better and half of them were spinning around on the floor and didn't even know what a
0: basketball was. So that's that's is the same. same. Snacks it's uh, at the end of the <laughs> snacks at the end of the shift isn't going to cover it for the twenty year olds. That's why.
1: No, why? it's not. Snacks at the end will not cover it. That's right. Actually, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the snack. Right, right towards the end, when I was leaving, and we we're working like sixteen hours a day, I was sitting there getting them food every day on the company, not on me. But I of was course. getting them all this food. And they're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And they were just ready to run through the wall. And I'm, I mean, I'm getting them like Hardee's or Burger King. I think out there is Carl's Jr. But in Texas, it was Carl's Jr. But it's like we're out there getting normal food, they're yeah.
0: like yeah, food, and they would just run through the wall. It's a good motivator. All right, Stephen, thank you, thank you very much for coming on. I had a really great time talking to you. Uh, now I just have like a couple quick questions uh, okay. to share, and yeah, we'll we'll conclude. So, number one, what do you listen to any podcasts or what kind of music do you like to listen to in your free time? So, for me, I actually
1: don't listen to as many podcasts as I probably should because I was actually on a podcast earlier this week and his was The Millionaire Choice and it's all millionaires or future millionaires. And I was so graciously invited to be on there and I should because he was telling me, Hey, go listen to this guy. He's made $50 million by the age of 31. And I go, Well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe I'll listen. listen. (laughs) So, for me, is what I mainly music wise. I'm out in I'm right outside of Nashville, so I have to listen to a lot of country. Yeah, that's a lot of the, the stuff I listen to country, Christian music. Those are really my two big ones.
0: Podcasts, I probably should get more into. But yeah, been a pretty solid guest, dude. You should listen, see, get yourself out there. How many have you been on? Twelve. Twelve? Damn. Yes. Yeah. Nice. All right. Are there any? OK, so what Uh, what books are you reading right now? You mentioned you really like reading. Uh, what do you
1: like to read? So the two books I'm reading right now, one is because one is strictly for the business and that is uh, $100 million offers. That's by Alex Formose. The other book I'm reading is The Blessed Life. That is by Robert Morris. Uh, let me see. That's actually a great question. Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson is also a great book. I've read that twice now. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, there. those are really the two. The two right now is The Blessed Life that one's more for me personally and spiritually. And then the $100 million offers, because Alex Ramosi breaks down how to build a good offer for your business, especially for us being a service-based business. We want to have the best offer we can.
0: Nice. And any favorite TV shows or movies that you'd like to recommend? So TV is
1: actually, I know we talked about hobbies. TV is something that is our, my wife and I, that's our guilty pleasure. Yeah. And we love baking shows. People, (laughs) when I tell people that they just crack up, but we love like the, the baking competitions and all that stuff, especially like the kids baking championship. All that stuff is so funny. We love watching that. I don't know why we're basically one of those people who, you know, like the fat people who watch people play sports and say, Oh, I could have done that. That's how we are. It's like, Oh, I can't believe you forgot to put the eggs in there it's like man you don't even we don't even understand how to do half this stuff but we're over there critiquing them yep yep we knew she was going to get cut she didn't put
0: enough <laughs> flour in that mix have you seen is it cake or i can't remember the name it's like that show on netflix where people try to guess is it the real oh, thing? yes, like, yes. show just nuts i've seen like one or two episodes <laughs> and i was just sitting there mesmerized like no that's cake easily and then it was the real thing it was like a shoe and i was like god damn how do you make it like that <laughs> There's also another one on Netflix that I would suggest, which is
1: hilarious. It's called Nailed It, and it's where they have this. Basically, they have this cake that a professional does. And then they have four amateur people that come on and try to recreate it, and it is the funniest thing you'll ever watch because they have, they don't have enough time. They don't give them enough time to do it, first off. Second, they don't have the skills. So it's just a disaster every single time, and it's probably the best thing I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> I'd hate to be the taste tryers for that show yes i would too um and this one i've never asked this but this is a bonus one for you what were your favorite video games besides cod favorite
1: favorite video games that's easy when i was very young i would say in middle school i my parents got me an xbox i really wanted a playstation 3 but they got me an xbox 360 and i was so upset because i had a playstation 2 what monsters i know (laughs) but at that time gears of war had just came out for xbox I love that game. So I played that game all the way till like I graduated. So Gears of War, the original, and then Guitar Hero 3. Those two I used to play religiously, and then all of the CODs. And then as I got older, it was like all of the Call of Duties, especially when they came out with Warzone. I loved Warzone. And I don't know why. I just thought it was fun to around the sweet. map and try yeah. to run somebody over. Yeah, I thought it was sick. But it used to just eat up some of my so much of my time. But those are <laughs> my favorite. Gears of War, Guitar Hero 3, and then basically any of the Call of Duties. Probably Modern Warfare 2 is my favorite out of all
0: those. That whole battle royale concept in video games just became such a hit. Like it was so interesting because you went from like the only solo games were really like free for all and mm-hmm. a couple other things. But then now it's like you versus 100 people on a map, be the last one. Like that right there is, it just was, it made for so much fun. Like I yep. did enjoy, enjoy that side of games. All right. Last question is, where can people find you? So the best place to find me is stephenpemberton.com.
1: So the reason why it's just my name, P E M B E R T O N P-E-M-B-E-R-T-O-N.com. There's a bunch of resources there. All my socials are there. And if you actually want to talk to me directly, I have my Calendly set up right there so you can schedule a time. I, I love giving myself... This time to be able to like set aside for people to be able to schedule with me to talk. There was a guy I had the privilege of talking to a couple of weeks ago that he was in the position where I was in, basically working a job that he hated, had a six month old son, wanted to figure out how to get in the business, and no one would give him the time of day. And I remember being in that spot, so I just gave him an hour and I said, "This is where you should start. This is what I see. Sounds like you're interested in this. Don't worry about all these other things." I basically just got him honed in. And going a direction. And I just remember
0: needing that at a time. So I offer that to people. Dude, that's awesome. You have a, a little time not only to network and meet people, but also to give back. That's, yep. that's great. Yeah. Well, Steven, it's been great having you on. Seems like you're, you've are you got a very balanced business. You've got a balanced life. Everything's, everything's going well, and I wish the best for you. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: I've enjoyed having my time here and I enjoy, and I'm thankful for you just having me. I never want to get off of one of these podcasts and not just thank the host for having me because I know you're taking time out of your day to talk to some random stranger on the internet. Yeah, these go
0: one of many ways. (laughs) But I had fun. All right, you have a great rest of your day, Steven. Same to you.